0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Awesome, awesome. What a great local partner, of course, uh, led by uh, Jason and Jennifer Heath, a great, great part of our church. And so thanks for your wonderful ministry and the privilege we have to partner with you. Well, it's a great day. It's a fifth Sunday. Welcome to everybody that's uh, here in the building, watching, worshiping online. And uh, a special happy birthday anniversary, 18 years to Celebration Español today. Yeah. yeah. Please, anniversario. Not gonna lie, that word sounds like a white guy didn't know how to translate it and just said anniversario. But they said that's how you say anniversary in uh, Spanish, not in French, I don't know how to say it in French. But anyway, I'll see you guys up there when we eat afterwards, praise the Lord. Birthday lunch, anniversary lunch, whatever it is, it's gonna be great. Well, uh, continuing our series today, Spirit and Power, uh, titled it, Come to the Altar, and uh, what an important step for us to do today, and uh, as we celebrate those being baptized in water, uh, I was given the report from Pastor Josh, a couple of those uh, young men that got baptized just gave their heart to Jesus Christ on Wednesday night, and uh, praise the Lord, already here, so fewer. few If you were with us as we started uh, prayer and fasting, we had some bad weather on that Wednesday night, and uh, I'm not going to play the guitar, so there you go free guitar picks flying at everybody. Um, But I felt like the Lord had given me that word for Pastor Josh and Kim. That they would we, we prayed for an immediate increase of souls, so like a harvest of righteousness, uh, but the word was that there would he would be able to reap where he hadn 't planted where he hadn 't worked, that there'd be some hard work that had gone on before, and so i 'm just grateful that we 're not even a month in yet and we 're already seeing great harvest in jesus name amen yeah. so it 's uh, exciting to be here, and uh, we 're looking forward to that another um, kind of announcement that we made a couple of weeks ago, also on a Wednesday night, um, not just different staff things coming and going, but our Francophone ministry is coming up in a couple of months on their two-year anniversary, and they're going to be uh, changing where they're meeting. We don't know where yet, so that's why we, we thought we'd be making like more announcement style today, but instead I'll just kind of mention it a little bit because uh, Pastor Judith and I and Max were still working on it, but working with uh, Minnesota District Assemblies of God for where... Uh, They could go and meet looking at the map as far as to see a greater harvest of souls We, We talked a year ago at our annual business meeting about sending missionaries around the world But also that we have the world that's come to us right here in the twin cities And as it turns out on the map not as much of the world has come to lakeville but just north of us. And so we're praying for the right location to come and we'll share a little bit more in two months, uh, have them up here and sharing that. But uh, uh, a month or a couple of weeks ago, they had already uh, talked to Celebration Francophone about this at the beginning of the month, but felt like the Lord had given um, a word for that harvest of souls from a different language a couple of Wednesdays ago. And we shared that. Romans chapter 10 and 13. Um, in a moment, we'll have them stand and clap for them and everything. But Romans 10 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Twelve people believe that verse. Praise the Lord. You know, we're going to need a little bit more faith in the room. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. 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 But one of the things that we recognize, it's a lot easier to call in the name of the Lord if it's in your own language. And so as we look around in the Twin Cities, we're excited for that. So in two months, we'll have them share with us. And, and um, they're not leaving, even though they're leaving. How many people know something can look similar and be totally different? They're not leaving being sent. The Bible says, how, how can anybody hear unless somebody preaches to them? And how can they preach unless they are sense. So the same way, remember a couple of years ago in our missions emphasis in November, the Royakers said they felt like the Lord calling them to go around the world. Back then they didn't know where, but it was to Estonia. And the first time somebody calls you, uh, calls the Lord, calls someone to go, you're like, oh no, we like them. <laughs> call someone else. In fact, here's four families. I don't like, <laughs> call them. Listen, don't act like you didn't immediately think of four families, but you're like, it's fine with me, God. (laughs) But then it was a second and a third, and after we get over the initial shock, if we're going to see the kingdom of God multiply, we have to get comfortable with God calling people to go, to be sent. And so we'll be part of that in two months and share with us uh, and and. Some of you are like, well, what does that mean? Like, yes, we're helping, set things up, working on that, but it also means we're going to do an offering, like give them money to be a success to reach in a new place. The same way we send missionaries around the world, we got to find that spot in the greater twin cities further north where the work of God can take root in people who've never heard it for the glory of God. Amen? So uh, I just want to have Pastor Judith and Max stand so we can honor them here this morning. And uh, we thank God. Can we put our hands together for them as well? Again, she had a bunch of things to say, but because we don't have more details, we'll give it to you as soon as we get it and uh, she'll be sharing those. So God bless you here today. All right, well, today's message I've titled, Come to the Altar. If you're wondering how we're gonna close... Uh, this month, probably not the series, I feel like we might have overflow next week, but I need a week to determine that. I uh, thought I would be in the Beatitudes, but I don't know, it might be some more from First Kings. Uh, we're going to respond by coming to the altar. It's not that this front area is more spiritual than any other place, but there is something that happens when we take a physical step if we're able to meet God uh, where He is. So in, in case this is your first time with us, you're newer, you missed a, a few of the last weeks, in case you go to Celebration Espanol and Pastor Vicente has not been preaching what he told me he was preaching. I'm kidding, because he's interpreting right now. So if he was not preaching this, he would just be able to lie to them while he's interpreting, and it wouldn't do any good. But uh, in case you missed him, at the beginning of December, I was preaching from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 17, the Bible says that John the Baptist would go forth, he'd go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And so we we titled this month, this series, Spirit and Power, and he said he was going to be anointed to do three things. This is where I received my prayer mandates, restoration of the family, restoration revelation for the foolish, and preparation of the church. The Bible says that that he would go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. We need that in our nation today. Only 10 people believe that. Okay, we had 12 earlier. Now it's 10. We're going in the wrong direction, Jack. We're going to need a little bit more faith in that. Then he said to turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. I, I mentioned there's just not really a whole lot else that I can say. There's not a whole lot else that can be explained. We need the Spirit of God to reveal himself to those who are living according to foolish things. The Bible says that they're going on the road that leads to death. And then last week, we talked about that preparation of the church. He said to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And tragically, there are many. Of course, not in this service. They all came to the first service. But there are many who claim to be part of the household of faith. They sit in a physical church building on a regular basis, but they're not ready to meet the Lord. They're living unprepared. They're not trained for battle. They're not engaged in ministry. So we're praying for that. And so here we are now, 1 Kings chapter 18. This is Elijah. He's up against a wicked king, King Ahab and Jezebel. Uh, Sounds a little bit like our land, right? Ahab was operating with political power. We live in a time, our society, that means humans, you and I, our neighbors, our coworkers, and all that are consumed with gaining and keeping political power. And Jezebel, she operated behind the scenes. We'll read about Asherah later. But there was this persuasive perversion about her. And we see those things running rampant in our land. We see um, striving politically. We see many acts of destruction. Of course, we see sexual immorality on every corner, dare I say, down every pew. See, we don't have pews. We have chairs. But... Sexual immorality is not limited to someone else. It's a human tension and, and, and battle. And, and so we find ourselves in a similar place. And I'm praying that God would raise up men and women like that would go forward in the spirit and power of Elijah today. Amen. Yeah, amen. That would stand up and be counted in a day where the numbers aren't on your side where there's opposition all around, and yet you can't shake the calling of God that has placed you there, I believe, for such a time as this. Amen? Alright, 1 Kings chapter 18. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. If you're able, if you'd stand to your feet, uh, let's read God's Word together. Now, I will admit it's verses 16 to 39, which is a lot of verses. I'll read them all at the different points. So in the intro, I'm just going to do a mashup. So if you're following along, I'll try to say the verse, but we're going to jump around a lot. We're going to skip a bunch of them because uh, you might be standing for a long time if I read all the verses right away. The Bible reads like this, 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's begin in verse 21. The Bible says, Elijah, went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Verse 24. But the God who answers by fire. He is God. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. By the way, you need to, how do I say, consider carefully those you gather yourselves around. Yes. Listen, I believe God was using Elijah in that day. I say that with a spiritual sense of fear and trembling before you. When, when you need to research, you need to look at, you need to inspect the fruit of those that you are deciding to align yourself with. Elijah said, everybody, come here to me. And they came to him, I love this, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Wow. Yeah. Verse 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I've done these things at your command. Side note, make sure what you're doing is at the command of the Lord, and not the preference of your feelings. That's not today's sermon, but maybe it should be next week's. I don't know, okay. Verse 37, answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you are God and you're turning their hearts back again. Notice the act of love. He's saying, show off in fire, show off with power, but do it to turn their hearts back to you, Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, what we're praying for today, they fell face down on the ground and cried, the Lord is God. Yes, the Lord is God. I've titled the message, Come to the Altar. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great gift of your son, Jesus. It's in that mighty name today that we pray. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Help no one leave the same, but may we all be changed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully you got some notes on the way in. If they're three-hole punch, you could get a binder on the way out again. They're at the Welcome Center. Maybe you're taking notes on your phone. Maybe you're taking notes in your head. I would encourage you take notes on paper or in your phone. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Okay, but anyway, uh, I wrote this down so you can too. That's how it works. All right, here we go. Um, This week I met with a pastor from Jamaica, his mom. Uh, was from Canada, but his dad was from Jamaica and he had no knowledge of this series. He had no knowledge of our text for this morning, but in our conversation, he looked across the table to me and he said, brother Derek, there's a spirit that's been released in our nation. He lives here in America now. He said, and it's the spirit of Baal worship. False gods, sexual immorality, and destruction of various kinds now mark our nation. And he went on to challenge me by articulating that in spite of the truth crisis that we currently find ourselves in, he said, historically, the church has always been the conservator of truth in the land. And if the church won't stand for truth, if the pulpits will not proclaim the truth of God's word, then who will? And he said, because of that reality, that the church is the conservator of truth in society, we ought not be surprised when the tip of the spear from hell is pointed in our direction when standing for truth in these days. Somebody say, it's time. time. Number one, you see there on your notes, it's it's time to stop wavering. It's time to stop wavering. The Bible says in verse 16 that Obadiah went to meet Ahab and he told him what you know, Elijah had said and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And look at this, what happens in verse 17. I think it was Old Testament gaslighting, if you say it that way. I don't know what that means, but they were messing with him. <laughs> Make you go like, what am I thinking? Verse 17, when Ahab saw Elijah, remember Ahab was the wicked king, he saw Elijah, the man of God, and the wicked king said to the man of God, hey, is that you, you troubler of Israel? The one who would caused all the problems was blaming the only one that was standing in the face of the problems. I'm ashamed to admit to you, dear brothers and sisters, how many times in the last number of years I've retreated from a conversation to my prayer closet and I've looked myself in the mirror, spiritually speaking, and I've wondered, am I the troubler of Israel? I, I thought I was... The sane one. I thought I was the rational one. I thought I was the one standing for biblical truth. And I leave the meeting like like I'm the one that's causing everyone problems. And I'm like, God, what's going on? I'm scratching my head. Are are you the troubler of Israel? And Look at what Elijah's response to him. He rightfully labels it. In verse 18, he says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. Look at this dangerous position that they were in. He said, you've abandoned the Lord's commands and followed Baal's. You see, friends, whenever we deviate from the truth of God's word, we always wander down the path that leads to destruction. When we deviate from the truth of God's word, we wander down the path of destruction. Verse 19, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. By the way, we're going to go there in a little bit over a year. We're taking a, a trip to the Holy Land, so you can sign up for that now. I just found out for Pastor David, it's finally live online. It only took us four months, but you can sign up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, he says, bring the 450 prophets of Baal, And the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Elijah carried a prophetic message throughout the land. Look at what he said. Ahab went throughout Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And he went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? I submit to you today, dear brothers and sisters, that it's a valid question still in our day. How long will you waver between two opinions? James 1 and verse 8 says, a double-minded person is unstable in everything they do. Have you met some unstable people (laughs) Recently, <laughs> Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Just look at me. <laughs> Double-minded. A people who believe this one day and then something else the next. We might hear an eloquent, eloquent presentation pointing us at a certain direction, direction and then the next compelling remark moves us in the opposite direction. Tragically, I've lost count at the number of times I've heard someone say, Well, Pastor, I just don't really believe that way anymore. What happened, dear brothers and sisters? We wavered for too long, and and Elijah brought them to a place of decision. You see, friends, the altar is always a place of decision. It's a place you've got to decide what is it that you really believe. So today, even when we close, I'll be asking you to make a decision. What is it that you will stand for? Which God will you serve? If the Lord is God, dear brothers and sisters, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. They back then, like many people today, were wavering back and forth. Elijah traveled around and he asked people, he called people to make a choice, to serve God or to serve Baal, to pick a lane and go the distance. And because Elijah was an Old Testament prophet, I don't think he was worried about the winsomeness of his tone. (laughs) He was compelled with a burden to reach his nation. And in spite of the passionate plea that I believe Elijah made, Verse 21 ends with five words in English, extremely tragic. The Bible says, but the people said nothing. They said nothing. I once again admit to you that there have been far too many times in my life that I've said nothing. Presented with truth, or perhaps even in the face of a lie, I confess that there are times that I myself have sat silently, even with good intentions. Perhaps I was unsure what to say, or undecided for the proper course of action. I, not unlike many of you, not unlike the people of Israel, who said nothing. It's time to stop wavering. Number two, it's time for a spiritual showdown. It's time for a spiritual showdown. Verse 22, Elijah said to them, I'm the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces, put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it. I'll prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but also won't set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. (laughs) I love this. He says, the God who answers by fire. By the way, whenever I read that text, I imagine Pastor ND reading it when he prayed. That was it. I the God who answers by fire. He is God. You can't read that in a casual voice. Oh, the God who answers by fire. I guess he'll be the... no. Come on, the God who answers by fire. He's God. When all the people said, "Well, what I guess what you say is good." You know, when I read this verse, I can't help but think of like an old country western, Wyatt Earp, John Wayne. I don't know, you know, but right? You know, the showdown at the O.K. Corral. Two will enter, one will leave. (laughs) I'll see you at high noon. Ready. Okay, you know, like, I don't know, I just, that's how I read it. You know, there's there's a bad guy, there's a good guy. It's it's maybe a a background check. Do-do-do-do. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what's going on. But when I, when I read this, I'm like, this is a spiritual showdown. Elijah has said enough is enough. We've got to determine once and for all who is God. And I submit to you today, I believe it's time for something similar in our land. Now for clarity, I'm not suggesting that we force TV news stations to come and film our services. I'm not demanding that anyone in particular come for a battle between their religion and ours, but I am saying there has been confusion and contention in our land for long enough and we need God to show himself strong today. So if you're still taking notes, if you're writing it down, if you're considering it in an intellectual way, (laughs) I would like for you to circle the word spiritual there on your notes, highlight it, write it down, emphasize it, Um, because I don't think we need to spend as much energy focused on a political battle or a culture war or anything like that, for it is incumbent upon the people of God to focus on what really matters, which are spiritual things. Now, in case you missed some of the other weeks, I didn't say don't be involved at all. I'm just saying don't be consumed with things that don't matter as much. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter six and verse 12. We mentioned it last week. Our struggle is not, somebody say is not. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not your spouse. Maybe your struggle is, but your enemy is not. Okay, you know, praise the Lord. You know, your enemy is not your pastor. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Thank you, Jack. You get a paycheck from us, so that's good that you don't think so either. But come on, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the authorities, the powers of the dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's a spiritual showdown. Now, due to the nature of our political system here in America, it is difficult for us to escape the reality of majority rules. In our land. On a trip with a group of people, dinner is often picked by the majority preference. So it's not just on election day, but it permeates our daily lives in this democratic society. But friends, we do not operate just in this realm. We operate in God's kingdom, and in his kingdom, things are quite different. Come on, Elijah was the only one, but how many people know he was not alone? And even though he was outnumbered, Baal had 450 prophets. The math was not in Elijah's favor, but God was. And aren't you glad that you plus God is more than enough? Come on, let me encourage somebody specifically if you're here under the sound of my voice maybe you felt called by God to step out and do something for his glory but you've been waiting for someone to join you so that the math could be more in your favor. I stopped by today to tell you don't wait any longer. Step out in faith even if you feel all alone for this is your time because if God has called you then just answer the call and step out in faith. You don't need to wait for somebody else. You don't need to wait for more people because you plus God is more than enough. Can I get a good amen? You got to know it, friends. We don't need a majority because we've got more than enough. El Shaddai is not the God of a majority. Come on, Hebrew scholars. El Shaddai means the God of more than enough. Don't fall into the trap of the enemy to think we only serve the God of the majority. I remind you throughout history, being in the minority has never hindered the expansion of the church of Jesus Christ. We don't need a majority for we already have more than enough. Number three. I'm almost to get excited, Pastor Josh. This one, this one I'm going to get excited about. I don't know. Maybe number four, maybe number three. It's time to discern the truth. Come on. These are some verses that, that I did not read earlier, but, but I hope will... Help us today. I want to say something to set the scene for verses 25 to 29. We're a Bible church, so everything's just right out of the Word. I'm not smart enough to figure these kind of things out, and I'm spiritual enough to know I shouldn't need to do it on my own. We just follow the Word. It's time to discern the truth. We're about to read about these prophets of Baal, and I want you to hear me, friends. The prophets of Baal were sincere in their faith, but they were sincerely deceived. They were devoted in their worship, but their God was devoid of power. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look at what we read. Look at this, verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bowls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. <laughs> By the way, I, I kind of like that he let them go first. Yeah. You know, because if he went first and fire came down, they might be like, oh, sure, you got all the fire. You know, like, he's like, you know what? You go first, go ahead. We'll just wait on you. Go ahead, you start. He said, go ahead, get it ready, choose one of the bowls, prepare it since there's so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but, but don't light the fire. So they took the bowl given to them, they prepared it, and then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. So they danced around the altar that they had made. Verse 27, at noon Elijah began to taunt them. My man. My man. See, I got to read things like this because I'm like, there are times, anyway, praise the Lord. But, Shout louder. <laughs> Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's just hard of hearing. <laughs> well, What a bummer to worship a deaf God. You know what I mean? Like he can't hear you. And if he can't hear you, then he can't help you, by the way. He said, perhaps he's deep in thought. Maybe he's busy. Now, some translations would say in the bathroom. What was Elijah saying? I think both of our gods are on the throne. <laughs> one throne is not like the other one. Maybe he's traveling. Maybe he's in the air and can't get Wi-Fi. <laughs> Maybe he's sleeping. By the way, notice all of the problems that he suggested to them were human conditions busy, traveling, tired, just couldn't hear you. So they shouted louder, they slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom. They were sincere in their faith. But they were sincerely deceived until the blood flowed. By the way, notice in that religion, they would give their blood for their God, but in our faith, our God gave his blood for us. Nine o'clock service didn't get that revelation, by the way. That was just 1045, praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm just trying to read the passage. I'm not even preaching the point yet. I'm just reading the word. I'm reading. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time came for evening sacrifice, but there was no response, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Elijah let them go first. I kind of feel like I can't prove it necessarily, but it feels like the enemy has gone first in our nation for the last number of years. Yeah. Yeah. Saw a tweet on Twitter, and I regretted going on because I read some other stuff. But anyway, I thought it was kind of funny. This person said, I'm not weird. I'm just normal from 2008. <laughs> and I was thinking how far our country has changed in the last 15 years. I think it's time to discern the truth. The Bible says they they shouted. Some of you do that. Others of you from a Norwegian Lutheran background, you think about it, you're like, Hmm. <laughs> says they danced. Not not as many white people there. They prophesied, like they were sincere. They were in it, but none of it worked because it wasn't, let me, let me say it this way. The, the call from the routine of religion says do more, work harder, yell louder, get the God's attention. Whereas the living God has said, you've already got my attention and therefore I'm gonna send my son Jesus to die in your place on your behalf. On. Yeah. Yeah. The routine of religion always screams, yell louder, try, try, try more, do, do better. That's what'll fix it. There are plenty of religious options for you today. You can choose ancient practices. You can choose New Age mantras. There's a lot of similarities, even a few differences. But overall, although the different religions might look and sound similar, we've got to discern the truth and recognize that there's only one true God. And the time has come to discern what is truth and what is fiction. Notice, if people were watching, they could have left the worship service at midday and said, people were shouting. They were prophesying. They were offering sacrifices, but there was no power. Uh, my wife, Dana, this week on social media had shared some insights from Priscilla Shire's book, uh, Armor of God, said, deception is rarely outright... It's a lie cloaked cloaked, in a tweaked version of the truth. It's a fraud, an illusion, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I love what Charles Spurgeon said because I think this helps a lot of us. It's not as much, so much fully just right from wrong. He said discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it's the difference between right and almost right. Friends, it's time to discern what is right and what is almost right. Some of you may be wondering, well, Pastor, how can I do that? Let me give you three ways before I go to point number four. Number one, pray. And I don't just mean like have us pray for you, I don't just mean pray for your dinner, pray your nighttime prayer. I'm saying you need to call upon the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords consult the one who was and is and is to come you and I need to be people of prayer because if we ask for the spirit of discernment he'll give it to us he'll help us but I think the spirit of discernment is on short supply in our land today it's one reason that we see people uh, wavering between two opinions so much the second thing though we need to do because prayer it's not that it's not enough, but it will leave it incomplete. It's, it's not enough just to pray. You also need to read the word. Because I've met people who are like, I pray all the time and God's telling me stuff that doesn't line up with scripture. And I'm like, you need to pray again. But really what I mean is you need to read the word because he'll never tell you something in prayer that contradicts his word. So you need to pray and you need to read the word. And let me just say this. You also need some spiritual trusted spiritual leaders, some men and women that you can link arms with to go on the journey with. Because sometimes you're going to have highs and you're like, oh, I'm going to do it. You have lows, you need people to pay. You, you need to link arms with other people. Some who've been there, done that, but you're praying together, you're reading the word together because it's, the Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. It's another reason that isolation was not good for people is not good for people when we get separated. No, you got to be careful. I mentioned this earlier. You got to be careful. You got to check your circle. You don't want people with you that are going to be like, oh, yeah, that road looks great to me. No, that's the road that leads to death. (laughs) Right? So you got to be careful who you're walking with, but but if you want to increase discernment in your life, you want to in these days have the spirit of discernment then pray, read the word and come alongside, have some trusted spiritual leaders, some people that you're linking arms with. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 8 and verse 32. I believe we need the help of the Holy Spirit for this. He said, "You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Therefore, we need to discern what is actually true. And what is almost true. Number four, and the uh, worship team can dismiss themselves and begin to prepare. Still got to read this, but I believe it's time for the fire today. 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 Verse 30, Elijah said to the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord which had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold a lot of water I looked it up, it was three and a half gallons wide of a trench. He arranged the wood, he cut the bull into pieces and he laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down the altar and even filled the trench. The trench. By the way, I'm not nearly as worried. I don't think we should be worried about how big the struggle, the challenge, the opposition is. Like even when we read this, I, I think many Christians, if we were teleported in time and we were there, we'd be like, oh no, now the sacrifice is wet. It's gonna be harder. Right? Oh no. Because yeah. I see it all the time in our lives today. By the way, the larger the opposition, I believe, the greater the testimony. On, go. Right? Like like what if what if all the conditions had been right? What if Elijah had gotten all the dry kindling and all the however else you make a fire? I don't know. We have a gas one, so I just go whoop. Right? He was like a Boy Scout. He knew how to make fire and, oh, it's great, the conditions. Like, like what if science could have explained away how it happened? Yeah. Then God wouldn't have got as much glory. Right. 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 Like, this was a nation that had allowed the things of God to be torn down. Right. This was a people who sat silently. And I'm just telling you, even when I read it, it's like, oh, a little bit of water. Okay, God, that's going to be serious. Do it. A second time, a third time, we're filling up the trench. Okay, can you imagine like God going up there, oh, I had the power for once or twice, but the third bucket of water, that's just going to be a problem. Why? Because our human perspective rarely is in line with the heavenly one. All the humans, the, it just kept getting harder and harder. The wood got more wet. There was more problems, and everybody in the nation's like, "Wow, this is some kind of challenge." But for God, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, thanks for making it more obvious that I'm God." Like, cause what a bummer if people would have seen fire come down, they're like, "Ah, anybody could have done that. It was dry kindling." I YouTubed it. I could do it too. There there was no problem for the challenge to be greater and greater, more difficult. Because it only was a wider testimony that God was going to get. There'd be no way to explain it. There'd be no way to manufacture it. Let me just say it this way. Let me just help us in this 2023. There'd be no way to fully strategize for it. There'd be no business plan that would work to show that God is the God of Israel. There's no like quarterly report that'd be like, oh, that's what we needed to know now, I believe. Why? Because if somebody can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. This moment was going to be a supernatural one, one that would leave no doubt who the real God was. And so instead of freaking out about how big and hard the challenge is becoming, the obstacles, let's use a spiritual word, the opportunities are. Come on, we ought to just thank God that it's going to be easier for everybody around us to know who the real God is. Elijah prayed so that the people would know today. Look at what he says, verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel. It's been my prayer since I felt this impressed in my heart a couple months ago. God, would you show yourself strong today? Not just at some point in my life, not just at some point in the next generation, but God, would you show us your fire today? Yes. Yes. Right. Let's go. And let them know that I'm your servant and I've done these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, so that the people will know that you are God and that you're turning their hearts back again. Isn't it interesting that Elijah didn't pray, oh God, get these false prophets. Seems like his prayer service sounds different than many of our prayer lives. He didn't say, oh God, get Jezebel. He said, show us your glory, give us your fire. I wonder how often we've prayed for the fire. Or are we content to pray small, safe prayers? God, help me to do a little more. God, help my candidate to win so we can vote on a resolution. God, help me to get a promotion so we get... Let your fire fall so that there's no doubt in the land that you're the God of more than enough not just a little more, not just a little sacrifice. Let there be no doubt that you are Lord of all. Elijah prayed and asked for the glory and the power of God to be revealed. I'm okay with rebuking the enemy and I study scripture and I get things that go with that, but there are just times where we need to call upon the name of the Lord and let his power send the darkness flee. For it's the name of Jesus that makes demons tremble. It's the name of Jesus that sets captives free. It's the name of Jesus that saves and delivers. So it's that name that we call upon today, the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. So I close with this on the bottom of your notes. It's time for a demonstration of power. I pray that my ministry and our lives are not primarily marked with eloquent speech, persuasive words, but like the Apostle Paul prayed, let it be marked by your power. Would you stand to your feet if you're able this morning? We've been praying for you, church. been wrestling in the heavenly realms on your behalf. Been working, planning. I believe in that essence, building the altar, preparing the place for God's power to be displayed. But even in this holy moment, it quite obviously. I, I don't know if it lacks the hype of the moment there in the Word, but just so filled with anticipation of what God will do before we leave this place. And it'll be undeniable. It wasn't manufactured by man. It really wasn't even planned by the pastors but that it was a sovereign move of almighty God so today i ask of you like Elijah asked of the people would you come to the altar would you commit your life To service at the altar. The altar is a place of decision. What will you decide today? What will your life be marked by? Will it be marked by the fire of God? So here's what we want to do we want to pray for everybody who wants to receive prayer today. Now, because of that, we probably can't line up one by one. So the pastors and prayer partners, they'll be praying. But it, if you want the fire of God in your life, even now, the team's can begin leading. But would you just step out and make your way to the altar? Let's come to the altar. Let's come to the altar. They'll, they'll move around. They'll lay a hand on your shoulder. But let's, let's come to the altar. I know anywhere can be an altar. We can meet with God, but, but something happens, brothers and sisters, when we take a physical step. If you can't fit up here, turn in your chair. I don't know, but, but let's, let's come to the altar. When we make a step physically, we're, we're highlighting, we're representing a step spiritually. Don't get it confused. Moving this morning is not what changes us. It's the fire of God. But something happens when we say, God, I make a decision here at the altar. So if you want the fire of God, as the team leads us, even in this moment, I'm not going to leave you in this prayer. Elijah made the call for everybody to come, and I'm asking for God to do something today that is so undeniable. That before we leave this place, we'll know for sure. We can align our words with them in Israel. Say, yes, the Lord is God. So let's lift our voice to him today. Let's offer our lives to him physically and spiritually. Let's come to the altar today. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.